Well, welcome again to another podcast, Down to Earth, but Heavenly Minded. I'm your host, Irv Risch. And as we move forward, we're going to be going through the entire New Testament. Uh, and with that, we're going to do a commentary afterwards. And uh, with that said, let us just move on to our next section. And thank you for joining me. Chapter 16 Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. And when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable that I should go also, they will accompany me. I will visit you after passing through Macedonia, for I intend to pass through Macedonia, and perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter, so that you may help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see you now just in passing. I hope to spend some time with you, if the Lord permits. But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wide door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. When Timothy comes... See that you put him at ease among you, for he is doing the work of the Lord, as I am. So let no one despise him. Help him on his way in peace, that he may return to me, for I am expecting him with the brothers. Now concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to visit you with the other brothers. But it was not at all his will to come now. He will come when he has opportunity. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Now I urge you, brothers, you know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia, and that they have devoted themselves to the service of the saints. Be subject to such as these, and to every fellow worker and laborer. I rejoice at the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaicus, because they have made up for your absence for they refreshed my spirit as well as yours. Give recognition to such people. The churches of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Prisca, together with the church in their house, send you hearty greetings in the Lord. All the brothers send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. Our Lord, come. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. First Corinthians 16 V. Paul's Final Council, Chapter 16 A. Uh, concerning the Collection, 16 verses 1 to 4 16 verse 1, the first verse of chapter 16 concerns a collection which was to be taken up by the church in Corinth and sent to needy saints in Jerusalem. The exact cause of their poverty is not known. Some have suggested that it was a result of famine, Acts 11 verses 28 to 30. 
Possibly another reason is that those Jews who professed faith in Christ were ostracized and boycotted by their unbelieving relatives, friends, and fellow countrymen. They doubtlessly lost their jobs and in countless ways were subjected to economic pressures designed to force them to give up their profession of faith in Christ. Paul had already given orders to the churches of Galatia in connection with this very matter, and he now instructs the Corinthians to respond in the same manner that the Galatian saints had been exhorted to do. 16 verse 2, although the instructions given in verse 2 were for a specific collection, yet the principles involved are of abiding value. First of all, the laying by of funds was to be done on the first day of the week. Here we have a very strong indication that the early Christians no longer regarded the Sabbath or seventh day as an obligatory observance. The Lord had risen on the first day of the week, the day of Pentecost was on the first day of the week, and the disciples gathered together on the first day of the week to break bread, Acts 20 verse 7. Now they are to lay something aside for the saints on the first day of the week. The second important principle is that the instructions concerning the collections were for each one. Rich and poor, slave and free, all were to have a part in the sacrifice of giving of their possessions. Further, this was to be done systematically. On the first day of the week, they were to lay something aside, storing up. It was not to be haphazard, or reserved for special occasions. The gift was to be set aside from other money and devoted to special use as occasion demanded. Their giving was also to be proportionate. This is indicated by the expression, as he may prosper. That there be no collections when I come. The Apostle Paul did not want this to be a matter of last-minute arrangement. He realized the serious possibility of giving without due preparation of heart or pocketbook. 16 verse 3, verses 3 and 4 give us very valuable insight into the care that should be taken with funds that are gathered in a Christian assembly. It is noticeable, first, that the funds were not to be entrusted to any one person. Even Paul himself was not to be the sole recipient. Secondly, we noticed that the arrangements as to who would carry the money were not made arbitrarily by the Apostle Paul. Rather, this decision was left to the local assembly. When they selected the messengers, Paul would send them to Jerusalem. 16 verse 4, If it was decided that it would be well for the Apostle to go to Jerusalem also, then the local brethren would accompany him there. Notice that he says they will go with me rather than I will go with them. Perhaps this is an allusion to Paul's authority as an apostle. Some commentators suggest that the factor that would determine whether or not Paul went would be the size of the gift, but we hardly believe that the great apostle would be guided by such a principle. B. Concerning his personal plans, 16 verses 5 to 9. 16 colon 5 Paul discusses his personal plans in verses 5 to 9. From Ephesus, where he wrote this letter, he planned to pass through Macedonia. Then he hoped to move south to Corinth. 16 verses 6 to 8, possibly Paul would spend the winter with the saints in Corinth and then they would speed him on his way, wherever he would go from there. For the present, then, he would not see them en route to Macedonia, but he did look forward to staying with them later for a while, if the Lord would so permit. Before leaving Macedonia, Paul expected to tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost. It is from verse 8 that we learn that the epistle was written from Ephesus. 16 verse 9, Paul realized that there was a golden opportunity for serving Christ at that time at Ephesus. At the same time he realized that there were many adversaries. 
What an unchanging picture this verse gives us of Christian service, on the one hand, there are the fields white already to harvest, on the other, there is a sleepless foe who seeks to obstruct, divide, and oppose in every conceivable way. See Closing Exhortations and Greetings, 16 verses 10 to 24. 16 verse 10, the Apostle adds a word concerning Timothy. If this devoted young servant of the Lord came to Corinth, they should receive him without fear. Perhaps this means that Timothy was naturally of a timid disposition, and that they should not do anything to intensify this tendency. Perhaps, on the other hand, it means that he should be able to come to them without any fear of not being accepted as a servant of the Lord. That the latter is probably the proper meaning is indicated by Paul's words, for he does the work of the Lord, as I also do. 16 verse 11, Because of Timothy's faithful service for Christ, no one should despise him. Instead, an earnest effort should be made to send him on his journey in peace, that he might return to Paul in due time. The Apostle was looking forward to a reunion with Timothy and with the brethren. 16 verse 12, Now concerning, Brother Apollos, Paul had strongly urged him to visit Corinth with the brethren. Apollos did not feel that this was God's will for him at the time, but he indicated that he would go to Corinth when he had the opportunity. Verse 12 is valuable to us in showing the loving spirit that prevailed among the servants of the Lord. Someone has called it a beautiful picture of unjealous love and respect. It also shows the liberty that prevailed for each servant of the Lord to be guided by the Lord without dictation from any other source. Even the Apostle Paul himself was not authorized to tell Apollos what to do. In this connection Ironside commented, I would not like to tear this chapter out of my Bible. It helps me to understand God's way of guiding his servants in their ministry for him. 16 verses 13, 14, Now Paul delivers some pithy exhortations to the saints. They are to watch constantly, to stand fast in the faith, to be brave and to be strong. Perhaps Paul is thinking again of the danger of false teachers. The saints are to be on guard all the time. They are not to give up an inch of vital territory. They are to behave with true courage. Finally, they are to be strong in the Lord. In all that they do, they are to manifest love. This will mean lives of devotion to God and to others. It will mean a giving of themselves. 16 verse 15, next follows an exhortation concerning the household of Stephanas. These dear Christians were the first fruits of Achaia, that is, the earliest converts in Achaia. Apparently from the time of their conversion, they had addicted themselves to the ministry, service, of the saints. They set themselves to serve the people of God. The household of Stephanas was mentioned previously in 1.16. There Paul states that he baptized that household. Many have insisted that the household of Stephanas included infants, and have sought thereby to justify the baptism of babies. However, it seems rather clear from this verse that there were no infants in this household, since it is distinctly stated that they devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints. 16 verse 16, the Apostle exhorts the Christians to submit to such, and to everyone who helps in the work and labors. We learn from the general teaching of the NT that those who set themselves apart for the service of Christ should be shown the loving respect of all the people of God. If this were done more generally, it would prevent a great deal of division and jealousy. 16 verse 17, the coming of Stephanas, Fortunatus, and Achaicus had brought joy to Paul's heart. They supplied what was lacking on the part of the Corinthians. 
This may mean that they showed kindness to the apostle which the Corinthians had neglected to do. Or more probably it means that what the Corinthians were unable to do because of their distance from Paul, these men had accomplished. 16 verse 18, they brought news from Corinth to Paul, and conversely they brought back news from the apostle to their home assembly. Again Paul commends them to the loving respect of the local church. 16 verse 19, the churches of Asia refers to the congregations in the province of Asia, Asia Minor today, of which Ephesus was the capital. Aquila and Priscilla were apparently living in Ephesus at this time. At one time they had lived in Corinth, and thus were known to the saints there. Aquila was a tentmaker by trade, and had worked with Paul in this occupation. The expression the church that is in their house gives us a view of the simplicity of assembly life at that time. Christians would gather together in their homes for worship, prayer, and fellowship. Then they would go out to preach the gospel at their work, in the marketplace, in the local prison, and wherever their lot was cast. 16 verse 20, All the brethren in the assembly join in sending their loving greetings to their fellow believers in Corinth. The apostle enjoins his readers to greet one another with a holy kiss. At that time, the kiss was a common mode of greeting, even among men. A holy kiss means a greeting without sham or impurity. In our sex-obsessed society, where perversion is so prevalent, the widespread use of the kiss as a mode of greeting might present serious temptations and lead to gross moral failures. For that reason, the handshake has largely taken the place of the kiss among Christians in English-speaking cultures. Ordinarily we should not allow cultural considerations to excuse us from strict adherence to the words of Scripture. But in a case like this, where literal obedience might lead to sin or even the appearance of evil because of local cultural conditions, we are probably justified in substituting the handshake for the kiss. 16 verse 21, Paul's usual habit was to dictate his letters to one of his co-workers. However, at the end he would take pen in hand, add a few words in his own writing, and then give his characteristic salutation. That is what he does at this point. 16 verse 22, accursed translates the Greek word anathema. Those who do not love the Lord Jesus are condemned already, but their doom will be manifest at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. A Christian is one who loves the Savior. He loves the Lord Jesus more than anyone or anything in the world. Failure to love God's Son is a crime against God Himself. Ryle comments. St. Paul allows no way of escape to the man who does not love Christ. He leaves no loophole or excuse. A man may lack clear head knowledge and yet be saved. He may fail in courage and be overcome by the fear of man, like Peter. He may fall tremendously, like David, and yet rise again. But if a person does not love Christ he is not in the way of life. The curse is yet upon him. He is on the broad road that leadeth to destruction. O Lord, come! Translates Maranatha, an Aramaic expression used by the early Christians. If spaced Maranatha it means our Lord has come, and if spaced Maranatha it means our Lord, come. 16 verse 23 grace was Paul's favorite theme. He loved to open and end his letters on this exalted note. It is one of the true marks of his authorship. 16 verse 24, throughout the entire epistle we have listened to the heartbeat of this devoted apostle of Christ. We have listened to him as he sought to edify, comfort, exhort, and admonish his children in the faith. There was no doubt of his love for them. 
When they read these closing words, perhaps they would feel ashamed that they had allowed false teachers to come in, question Paul's apostleship, and turned away from their original love for him. Well, this ends another one of our podcasts. And until next time, just remember, God is out here. And you can find out all about him in your Bibles. All you have to do is pick it up and read it. I have mine right here. And uh, God is in this Bible. So please read it. With that said, till next time.